Luke chapter 4, verse number 1, if you would please. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out fame of him throughout all the region round about. I want to preach to you this morning with the help of the Lord about being led by the Spirit. Led, led. By the Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for every woman, man, and child that's gathered in this house today. I pray, Father, that your word would come forth with clarity, that hearts would be prepared today, that the soil would be prepared for the word of God, that there would be seed planted and much fruit. And we'll give you the thanks and the praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Let the church say amen. amen. Would you put your Bibles down today and give the Lord a hand clap with me? Let's thank the Lord for his precious word today. Praise God. May the Lord richly bless you. You may be seated today. Thank you, praise team and musicians, for leading us today before the throne of heaven. I love being in the house of the Lord with God's precious people. Amen. This is a, an amazing story about Jesus Christ who we believe according to the word of God, beyond a shadow of a doubt, was God manifest in the flesh. He was the image of the invisible God. He was the manifestation of God in the earth. But being the fact that he was God in flesh does not take away the fact that he was also 100% man. He was all man and he was all God. He was not part of each. And so understanding that the flesh of Christ had to be submitted 
to the Spirit of God. The man, Christ Jesus, had to be submitted to the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus did not just show up at 33 and a half years of age, die on the cross, be buried in the grave, and resurrected. Because he did not just come to die. He came to live. He did not just show up so that he could be crucified and resurrected. But he came to show us what resurrection power in living life was all about. I'm saying all of that to simply say to you this morning that if Jesus Christ himself went through temptation in the wilderness, what makes you think that you will not face temptation in your life? Now, the enemy loves to beat us over the head because we have been tempted. And we oftentimes become our own worst enemy because of the temptations that we face. But I want to submit to you on this Sunday morning that temptation is not the same as falling. Temptation is not the same as sin. I would actually present the contrary to you today. That temptation is the preview window that God allows in our lives for us to see what the end result is going to be if we submit to that temptation. If we give in to the temptation, there will always be a price to pay. I grew up hearing well-meaning saints and uh, even people that didn't attend church, but they would say things oftentimes at funerals and in times of brokenness, they would say, Things like this, well, you know, the Bible says that God will never put more on you than you can bear. That's not what it says. As a matter of fact, the only time that's ever even alluded to in the Scripture is when dealing with temptation. And the Scripture said that you will never be tempted above what you are able to bear. But that when there is temptation, that God will make a way of escape. Jesus showed up. That you are not a failure, and I want to preach this right here until somebody gets it in your spirit. I can't go any further until you get this. It is not the end of your life, and you have not failed God because you were tempted to fail God. Your ministry is not over because you were tempted to fail God. Your marriage is not over because you were tempted to fail God. I want to tell you today that the enemy would love to make you believe that you are weak because you have been tempted. But I would rise on Sunday morning to encourage you that if it worked for Jesus, it will work for you. That when temptation comes your way, you've got to get the audacity in your spirit to rise and look at the enemy in the face and say, it is written. The temptation of Jesus Christ is essentially the first appearance of Satan, of Lucifer, in the New Testament. Our adversary begins by tempting Jesus to turn the stone into bread. He said, if thou be the Son of God, and Jesus said to him, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone. What is Jesus teaching us? That on this 40-day fast, if I take a bite of bread, it will feed me temporarily. 
But what I'm doing right now is not looking for temporary satisfaction. He said that man shall not live by bread alone. That bread will feed you in the moment. But you didn't go to the wilderness to get fed by bread. You went to the wilderness to be led by the Spirit and to fast. Are you hear what I'm saying? I laugh about it and we cut up about it all the time. But it is absolutely a fact that you will come to the hearts and minds of people that you have never been laid on their heart and mind until you start a fast. When you start a fast, it's amazing. You just say, I'm going to fast for three days. And somebody's going to call you and say, you were on my heart today. I fixed an extra apple pie and I'm going to bring one to you. Now, there is a part of me that says, if God laid me on their heart, then God must want me. The the Lord's telling me my flesh is not out of control. But I need a little cinnamon and brown sugar and apples in my life right now. But it's amazing how that works. You can even, it it don't matter. You, You can say that you're going to start a sugar fast. And the first place you go, they're going to, the first thing out of their mouth is, could I get you a good sweet tea to drink? And the fact of the matter is, if you've ever broken a fast with a knee-jerk decision, you truly do understand how dark and terrible and guilty you feel because you know the Lord called you to three days, seven days, 21 days, whatever, and you were like, it was just a bologna sandwich, but it was the best-looking bologna sandwich. And it's, it's funny because... If you don't learn to moderate the other things that you're doing while you're fasting food, I promise you, I'm going to make you a promise. If you jump on YouTube to watch preaching, the first advertisement you're going to see is fried chicken when you're fasting because that's exactly how it works. And he loves to catch people. I'm fixing to preach to you right here, so don't, don't miss what I'm about to tell you. He loves to catch you when you're hungry. He likes to catch you when you're empty. He likes to catch you when there's a longing in you. If Jesus would have been full, then the bread would have never been a temptation. But he likes to catch you with what you're missing in your life. I'm fixing to preach to you right now, and if you blink, you're going to miss what I'm telling you. He likes to to offer you somebody that will visit with you when you're feeling lonely in your marriage. He likes finding the empty things that you're hungry for and sending the right person at just the right time to say just the right thing because that is how he works. But Jesus' response is that the thing that you're offering me is not what's going to bring me life. It may bring me satisfaction for a moment, but man shall not live by bread alone, but man shall live by the word of God. You may not believe what I'm telling you this morning, but there is an answer to falling to temporary satisfaction. And that answer will always be the Word of God. He then took him to a high place and he said, just worship me. I'll give you all of these things. He said, it's written. To worship and serve only God. He then took him to the pinnacle of the temple. 
And he said, go ahead and jump. Because the angels will take care of you. Now, you can look into this if you want to, but I'm going to tell you, I think it's pretty powerful. People say Jesus never claimed to be God, but isn't it amazing? Jesus was the one being tempted to jump off the temple, and when the devil said that to him, Jesus looked at him and said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You know what I like about that? He was reminding the devil, I'm your God too. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I want to tell you this morning, I still believe that every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I still believe this morning that he is the only living God. Sometimes you just need to remind the devil when he starts telling you everything that God has failed in your life and the things God hadn't done. You ought to just let the devil know he's still your God too. And you've only got as much power as I've given to you. I'm going to get ahead of myself if I'm not careful. I want to tell you today, the Bible said that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. So what this means to me is that Jesus was not caught off guard. Jesus did not go into the wilderness and get caught off guard by every temptation that came his way. When you're led by the Spirit, it is a fact that being led by the Spirit of God will make you wise to the devil's devices. I've preached this, preached this, and preached this until my tongue just about falls out, but I feel like it needs to be preached. I don't have to pre-qualify anything to this congregation that knows me. I don't have to pre-qualify anything to you precious people that I've been your pastor for a long time, but for the ones that don't really know me, I'm going to pre-qualify at one time, and I'm going to tell you that I believe in restoration. I believe in restoration. I believe in the backsliders coming home. I believe in prodigals coming home. I believe in the pig pen moments where he came to himself. I believe in that. But I'm going to tell you what else I believe in. I don't believe that you have to be restored to be saved. Because I don't believe you ever have to leave. I'll never stop preaching about restoration. But I'm also going to preach about being wise to the devil's devices. I'm never going to stop preaching that if you fall, God can help you get back up. But I'm also going to preach to you this morning, you have the power to stand this morning. You don't have to get back up if you never fall down. Pastor, do you not believe that God can put my marriage back together? Yes, of course I do. But I also believe if we'll humble ourselves and pray that God can keep our marriage together. I don't believe that the only work of the cross was restoring everything that was broken over and over again. Every now and then, I just want to see somebody get brave enough and powerful enough in the Holy Ghost to let the devil know, you may have got me on that last time. You may have tripped me on that last time. But I have come to stand in the boldness of the Holy Ghost and declare to you today, I am a child of God. I'm not giving you room in my life. I'm not giving you room to destroy me. I refuse to fall again. I want to say this today, and, and if I've ever counseled with you, understand I'm not, I'm not saying this to take a shot 
at anybody, but it's a fact. 99% of the time when I'm counseling somebody again, I'm counseling them for the same thing that I counseled them for last time. It's like there's no new sin. It's like we fall to the same things. It's because we all have proclivities that we tend to lean in the direction of. And if, if the smell of alcohol makes you sick, the devil's probably never going to come to you and try to make you an alcoholic. I'm one of those. I struggle with communion. Not literally, but... I can't stand the smell of it. If I walk in a place where they're serving it, I get sick. I can't stand the smell of it. I don't like what it does. Other people crave it. I can't stand nicotine. I I, I mean, I don't want to hurt nobody, but I'm just being honest with you. One of the greatest things that ever happens when they outlawed it in every restaurant. It's a great blessing. Because you got a little extra with every meal. You got a little bit of chicken fried steak. Some smoke. I like smoking meat, but not like that. I, I, it's not a temptation to me because I, I don't like it. But for some people, it's like they crave it. And they have to have it. And I've seen God deliver people of it on the spot. But just because he delivers you right now. I'm talking about I've seen him take the taste out of their mouth right now. But the next time you're tempted, you're probably not going to be tempted over chewing tobacco if you were addicted to smoking tobacco. What, 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 what are you doing, Pastor? I'm preaching as simple as I can preach to you to tell you, whatever your weakness is will always be your weakness. The cross doesn't take away my weakness, but I'll tell you what it does do. His strength is made perfect in weakness. You have the ability to be an overcomer. I'm here to preach to somebody today and encourage you and let you know you don't have to fall again to the same thing you fell to last time. God has given you the ability to be an overcomer. If you believe it, say amen. I'm tired of the enemy making us believe that we have to be healed all the time. I want to stay healed. I want to stay faithful. I rejoice every time a backslider comes to this altar. And I'm going to tell you what else I rejoice at. I rejoice every service when these young people that have never backslided are up in this altar giving God praise. I think it's, I think it's something that we ought to celebrate with our young people. And let them know, you don't have to leave the church, become an alcoholic, give up your virginity, and, and come back for God to restore. Well, pastor, that's me. You don't think God can fix it? I'll never, ever stop believing that he can fix it. But I'll tell you what else he can do. He can keep you. He can keep you. He can keep you. Young people, hear me this morning. He can keep you. Woo, I want to preach that. I just get so weak. I just get so weak. He's so strong. <laughs> He's so strong. It psyched the devil out. You know, you know, our man, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm gonna tell you, everybody has triggers. 
That's the deal. Like, I'm not going to make you like snoring Greek and dreaming Hebrew this morning. I'm t- we all have triggers. And you know what it is. It starts triggering you to that fallacy in your life. To what, what it, whatever makes you weak, you go to that. But I'm just asking, I wonder what would happen if the next time you felt that trigger, if you just hit your knees and said, Lord, I thank you right now that I am stronger than I was last time. Because last time it got me. But today I am bowing in your presence, not as one who is weak, but as one who is strong. Because your strength, whoo, man, I feel something in that. Because your strength is made perfect in weakness. Lord, I'm on my knees today, not because I can't stand, but I'm on my knees because I choose to be here and let the devil know I am more powerful on my knees. Woo! I'm telling you today that Jesus was not caught off guard. Now, can I preach to you and you still love me? And neither were you. Neither were you. Nobody's ever had a surprise affair. Well, yeah, I did. I just met her that day. Yeah, but you met that spirit in your heart months ago. You've been in a wrestling match that you've been losing. Nobody backslides on a Sunday morning. Nobody misses church on Sunday morning. You started missing church on Friday night. Come on now. You started missing church on Saturday morning when you got to sleep in. You're like, "Mm, that felt pretty good. I may do this two days in a row because I know I got to go to work on Monday. Isn't it something? You know, the problem with missing church is the more you miss, the easier it is to miss. Start missing on Wednesday night, before long you'll miss on Sunday morning. Start missing on Sunday morning, you're like, oh, I didn't even know we still had church on Sunday night. But you know what? I'm letting the devil know. I love it every week. Some weeks, Sunday nights, is our biggest service of the week. Because somebody made up in their mind, I don't care what else is going on in my life. I know where my strength comes from. I know where my help comes from. And my help does not come from running with the same people that I used to run with. My help comes from being in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, with God's people. Do you believe it? Say amen. Amen. Now, what I'm about to preach to you could be easily misconstrued. But when I tell you that Jesus was not caught off guard, I want to preach this to you and get it in your spirit. It's important to know how the temptation account began. The scripture said that Jesus Christ was led. Are y'all with me? He was led to the desert by the Holy Ghost to be tempted. God's not who tempts me. But I do believe sometimes God wants to know how bad I want this. I didn't expect nobody to clap right there, I'm going to be honest. I do believe sometimes the Lord leads me by his spirit 
to a crossroad to make some decisions. Because he's been hearing how I've been praying. God, I want to be used mightily. God, I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. So the Lord leads me by his spirit over here and says, all right. I'm going to see how bad you want it. You've been telling me what you want God to do. You've been telling me what you want my spirit to do. So let me lead you to a place where I'm going to find out just how bad you really want this. Is there anybody in here today that'd be willing to just stand in the presence of God and say, Lord, I want it more than I've ever wanted it in my life. I want your spirit. I want your power. I want demonstration. I want your glory. I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. I want your will in my marriage. I want your will in my children. I want your will in everything that I do. God, I made up in my mind that everything I used to be does not matter to me anymore. I crave you. I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. I got to have you. Nothing else will do. I'm not hungry for anything else. Come on. I'm not just preaching right now. I'm here to tell somebody you can have it this morning if you want it. God, I am so desperate. Oh, God. I am so hungry. I've never wanted it more. And this is where we start proving to God when we're not looking at our watch and our phone while we're telling him that. We find us a prayer corner. And we start soaking that carpet with tears. Come on, I'm not trying to be gross this morning, but I'm going to tell you, it's amazing what kind of mountains move with a little tear and a little snot. I'm going to lay in this corner right here. I'm going to stay on my face until you're talking to me, God. I'm going to stay right here until your presence is through working this out of me. I need your voice to come and massage this out of my spirit. God, I am so tired of being weak in the same place over and over and over. And I'm telling you this morning, Father, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. If your spirit leads me to the wilderness, then I'll stand on the word. If your spirit leads me to the wilderness, then I'm going to tell the devil greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. We're meant to understand clearly that Jesus was led here. It was on assignment. You hear me? Is there anybody in here that ever got frustrated when your teacher, you were trying to take a test, but your teacher wouldn't answer your question? A raised hand in the middle of a test ought to be ignored. Come on. We're in it. Oh, God, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm here to preach right now. We're asking God questions that we already know the answer to. Lord, if it's not your will for me to go, then what do you want him to do? Break your car down? I, I know it sounds like I'm being facetious. But I'm as sincere as I've ever been in my life. It's amazing to me. I fleeced the Lord. I did. I I fleeced the Lord. And I told him, if you don't want me to be with them, Lord, then you're going to let me know. But until you talk to me, I'm going to take them out to eat every night. Fleecing the Lord. Somebody Somebody told me one day, Pastor, I fleeced the Lord about it. I said, was the fleece dry or wet? 
Do you even know that where that comes from in the Bible? I fleece the Lord. Was it dry or was it wet? And which way did you know it was God? Anybody ever read the story? It'll mess with you because he did it a couple times. One time it was wet when it was supposed to be dry, and the other time it was dry when it was supposed to be wet, and he was like, mm, thank the Lord I finally heard from God. Look, there ain't nobody in here tending sheep. And ain't nobody for sure going to gut one and lay it out on the ground see if the dew of the morning gets your fleece wet. Let me tell you what you ought to do. Can I just love y'all, preach to you? We ought to just be led by the Spirit. We ought to just be led by the Spirit. And stop asking God if it's okay to do. Listen, I'm going to preach to you right here. And stop asking God if it's okay to do what His Spirit already convicted us not to do. I know I'm preaching strong right now, but I'm preaching to where you're at. We've been asking God for permission to lift that conviction off of us. If he spoke it in my life, there's a reason I've been convicted by it. Woo! It's 11.45 and I'm trying to hurry this morning. But I'm sick and tired of throwing it in the face of God if everything he's convicted me of is a heaven or hell issue. What if my holiness is not all about heaven or hell? What if it's about here and now? Because some of my consecration to God separates me from the world and other parts of my consecration separate me unto Him. I've been preaching it for years, but it's a fact. That asking God if every conviction in my life or every conviction that I hear preached is a heaven or hell issue is the same as asking your spouse if everything is a divorce issue. Baby, dinner's ready. Come to the table. If I don't come, is that a divorce issue? No, you're just going to be hungry. Could you help me pick up the table? Is that a divorce issue? No, it's a relationship issue. Holiness unto the Lord is a relationship issue. Where the reason he's convicting me above and beyond what I read chapter, line, and verse is because I've been telling him in secret, I just want you. I'm hungry for you. And so the Spirit starts leading me. Well, if you want more of me, then there's got to be less of you. I must decrease. Come on. I must decrease and he must increase. Not everything in my life is about where I'm going. Some things is about where I am. Some of my holiness, as Brother Jordan said, it, some of my holiness is for the world that is to come. And other parts of my holiness is for the world that I'm living in right now. Because I'm hungry for him. And I can't have more of him if I don't have less of me. Well, you guys are just legalists. You preach all this stuff. No, no. I think, I think you're missing. The things that we preach is not just, I wish that I could, I wish I could get people to understand this. Like, God don't give preachers special gold buttons because they preach holiness. <laughs> I know people, you preachers just love to control people. I hate control. I am not a micromanager at all. I can't stand it. I hate conflict. I know you can't believe that. But I hate conflict. I despise conflict. But I'm going to tell you what else I hate. I hate breaking the heart of God when he's been speaking to me. Well, you guys don't have chapter, line, and verse for that. Oh, but I've got conviction. And there's a reason why he pulled me up out of the miry clay. Ooh. 
The reason why I don't go some places is because of those proclivities I was talking about earlier. We all have tendencies. And when my tendencies are leaning a certain way and the Spirit's pulling me the other way, I'm not doing myself any favors by going because I'm never, literally never caught off guard by temptation. Never. I'm led by the Spirit. And when I get there, I make a decision. I love holiness because while some look at it and say, you guys are just separating yourselves from everybody, that's not true. If you only knew how good it felt to be his, I just, I just want to be his. Well, I just think it's unfair that you would expect for somebody, listen, it's not about what he expects. It's about the fact that he loves me so much that he's still drawing me. Draw. Are you drawing me? It's his kindness that leads me to repentance. It's that pull when I'm praying. And this is what frustrates me. And I can't stay here because the clock is ticking, baby. But I'm going to tell you what frustrates me is when men will get up behind their pulpits because they want to grow. And they will start telling people that what the Spirit told them not to do is okay. It's happening all over the world right now. I was talking about it in the prayer room this morning over last Sunday. It was Super Bowl Sunday. And there was a church. I don't know who the church was. Don't even care who the church was. Honestly, I could care less. And they all got up there in their football uniforms. And one of them got down and held the Bible like a football. Put their finger on it. And the speaker came and kicked the Bible out into the crowd like it was a football. I'm like. And God was glorified, how? When we start despising the things that the Spirit has asked us to love, woo, boy, it gets tight in here when I start preaching real. Brother Kevin, you going to be my security this morning? You work security detail and get me out of here? I'm so hungry for you, Father, that whatever you ask of me, is never too much. You can never ask me for something that I'm not willing to give you. This is, this is not about the book of so-and-so and chapter so-and-so and verse so-and-so. It's what, why is his spirit leading me to this? Why is his spirit leading me away from this? Why is his spirit leading me into the wilderness so that you can know when you get to the wilderness you are strong enough to defeat this? You're big enough. You're strong enough. And when you stand on this book right here, there is no power from hell. There is no power of darkness that could ever make you weak enough to fall. Oh. I told, I told Pastor Jordan in the office this morning, I'm never going to have the time to preach this. There ain't no way. But I got to digging this morning. And I was reading in, uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, where the Apostle Paul said that we walk not after the flesh. You know what I'm talking about? We walk not, we walk not after the flesh. That word after in, in the Greek, and uh, don't let me lose you here. That word after in the Greek is kata. 
And I was astounded by how many times this word is used. But because the English word is so different, it's used so many different ways in different times. But that word, kata, in the, in the English, it was used 59 times as the word according in the English. 53 times the word after. 48 times the word to. Eight times as the word privately. What are you saying, Pastor? Here's the definition of what the word means. It means down from or something is flowing from. He said, I don't walk after the flesh, but I'm in the downline of the spirit. I'm where the spirit, I, I'm, I'm trying not to lose you on this. This is so powerful if you can get it. The word is used as privately literally used as the word privately you know why because what you submit to in private is what you're down from i'm in the flow of it it's flowing to me i don't walk after the flesh i walk after the spirit that's what i'm constantly reaching for i am reaching after the spirit because I want to be down from the Spirit. I want the Spirit to flow to me and to flow out of me. And could that be why Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Because you're down from it. The Spirit is flowing into you and the Spirit is flowing out of you. So in other words, whatever flows into you is what flows out of you. If I had the time, man, I, I even had an illustration. I was going to preach for you guys. I was going to do it good this morning. I was going to act for you a little bit. After the Spirit. I'm after it. That means I'm always watching wherever the Spirit's going. I'm going. If my flesh is pulling this way, but the Spirit's going that way, it's not even a choice. This is where I'm going. This is going to affect your ministry. If you go this way, you don't want to walk after your flesh. You don't want to walk after that. But this is going to affect your ministry as well if you walk after. I'm pursuing. Are you hearing me? I'm down from. I was told this morning I could have a, who, what, what, what is it? Generation what? Generation Z sermon that I'm down with the Spirit. I'm going to preach to you, sir. I'm down with the Spirit. God, wherever your Spirit leads me. That's where I want to be. Because while you're being led by the Spirit, if I could get this in your heart this morning, while he was being led by the Spirit was when his greatest temptation came. You will be tempted while the Spirit is leading. But you're going to have to make the decision as to what you're going to follow. Now, I'm, I'm wrapping this up quick this morning. But this is amazing to me. Somebody say he has no new tricks. As I was studying to preach to you this morning, I started to realize that he loves to come against us when we're being led by the Spirit. And he loves to come to us when we're alone. And I want to show you how the temptation came. Y'all just stay with me. The first thing was he tempted him to turn bread into stone. Second thing, he tempted him to worship the devil in exchange for power and wealth. 
The third thing he tempted, Lucifer tempted, was an appeal to his pride. And he said, if you, if you jump, the angels are going to take care of you. you. It's okay if you want to be an egoist. I want you to listen to the three forms of temptation. This is not going to make people happy, but it's a fact. He tempted him with gluttony, materialism, and pride. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. There are no new tricks. You're not going to be caught off guard. But I believe it's time for us to start catching the enemy off guard. That every time he's tried before, there's been success. But on this Sunday morning, I made up in my mind, he's got another thing coming. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I have aligned myself with the Spirit. And as the Spirit is speaking, I'm listening. As the Spirit is flowing, I am down from the Spirit. I am in alignment with the Spirit of God. And I want the devil to know today, I'm a different man than I was yesterday. I'm a different woman than I was yesterday. You may have got me yesterday, but today I belong to him. Let's stand together. Oh, I wish I had the time to preach to you this morning. I want to be in the downflow. When I was a kid, we used to use language. I think we're afraid to use it anymore because people think we're old fuddy-duddies and old-fashioned. But them old country churches, when I was a kid, people would say things like this. Sister Needy, they'd say, I want to get under the spout where the glory of God comes out. Uh, that's just silly old Pentecostal colloquialisms. Well, you ain't ever been under that spout, apparently. Because if you ever get under that spout, woo, you'll know why we run the aisles. You'll know why we dance. You'll know why we shout. You'll know why we give God praise. Because when you get under the downflow of the Spirit of God and you're led by the Spirit of God, Old things are passed away and all things have become new. You are a new creature. If your heart's desire this morning as the music begins to play, if your heart's desire is for less of you and more of him, I just want you to lift your hand to the Lord right now. Lord, whatever you desire of me, that's what I desire from you. Lord, whatever your thoughts towards me are, that's what I want. God, I want to give you my best. I'm not here today to give you my leftovers. Thank you for restoring me and thank you for healing me and thank you for filling me. But I'm here because I want you first.